Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. The one you long to see will soon set you free. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Your dream draws near, your vision is here. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For the Holy One has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For Yahweh, who is mighty, has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. And God's mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. El Shaddai has shown the strength of their arm. They have scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. God has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich the Holy One has sent away empty. God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of God's own mercy. And the Holy One spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever.
please the words of preparation, which are printed in your bulletin or in your digital bulletin. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as you know, we've been reading the book of joy, or, or maybe you're listening to the audio book, or maybe you watched the movie Mission Joy, and, um, you know, the, the, it's based on these five days of conversation between the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And in this conversation between the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu, um, it was in Dharamsala, and it, the, the focus of the conversation was joy. But the plan for these five days included two of the five days to be focused on obstacles to joy. Now, if I asked you if you preferred to feel anxiety or fear or stress or joy, which one would you choose? Joy, yes. As human beings, we desire to feel positive emotions rather than negative emotions. Most of us desire joy. And I believe that we have this innate, this inherent sense and capacity uh, of joy and capacity to feel joy. It's part of our, just our, our basic human condition, our human construction. But too often, we spend our days and our hours not in joy. And there are reasons for this. And there are also practices to counter those reasons. So this was the focus of those two days in the midst of the five days of conversation between the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu. The Dalai Lama spoke of a concept within Tibetan Buddhism called mental immunity, which addresses the obstacles to joy. Mental immunity, the Dalai Lama explained, is just learning to avoid the destructive emotions and to develop and focus on the positive ones. First, we must understand the mind, he said. Some of our thoughts and our emotions are harmful, even toxic, while others are healing and healthy. The Dalai Lama went on to share a story about Al Gore, who told him he had lots of problems that were causing him anxiety and stress. And the Dalai Lama encouraged him to make a distinction between the emotional level and the rational level in approaching these issues. On the one hand, to rationally acknowledge the reality of a problem, such as a relationship challenge or the climate crisis. But on the other hand, to stay calm recognizing that in the present moment, there is so much more than that particular issue, so much more we don't know, so much beyond our control, so much that is in fact uh, also not a challenge, but a blessing and gratitude. Well, easier said than done, right? And if I had been there, I think I would have said, could you unpack that a little for us, your holiness? So fortunately, today, our scripture provides, I think, a breakdown of what the Dalai Lama is recommending in this conversation. 
It's also what is known as Mary's Magnificat, her response to the angel Gabriel who appeared and announced to her that she would bear a son, the son of the Most High, and that he would be named Jesus, and of his reign there would be no end. Now, of course, we know the story. Mary was not married. And in those days, to be pregnant and bear a child out of wedlock was scandalous and dangerous. Mary could have responded to this news with anxiety and fear and worry, but she didn't. We know her response. It is the words that Randall read for us today, her joyous proclamation of all the good and justice and peace that would come into the world because of this holy child. Mary was displaying mental immunity. And I'm reminded of the words that Caroline Lee spoke last week at the community concert when she said, to claim joy is a willful and subversive act. But how did Mary get there? How did she avoid the worry and the fear that no doubt were threatening to crowd into her mind and soul? Even when we can consciously see and feel that we are going negative, sometimes we can't arrest it. And Archbishop Tutu spoke into this reality in the conversation about dealing with obstacles to joy. He said, basically, I think we've got to accept ourselves as we are. We are humans, and sometimes it's a good thing to recognize that we have human emotions. He went on to encourage that we not berate ourselves when we find ourselves in an anxious or fearful place, and said that doing so only makes the negative emotions more intense through guilt. The reality is that we don't really know Mary's initial response to Gabriel. We know she initially questioned the announcement, and then she said, let it be with me according to your will. And this is often framed as a kind of brave faithfulness from Mary. But was it? Maybe inside Mary was spiraling. When we look back at the scripture, we see that there was a critical move by Mary between the announcement of Gabriel that she would be the God-bearer and her profound proclaiming of joy and justice. What was it? What was this critical move? Well, she sought out a friend. I submit to you today that it was that act of self-compassion, of reaching out in trust and courage that made all the difference. The story, of course, goes that after the Annunciation, Mary traveled to see her kinswoman, Elizabeth. And in the culture of first century Palestine, kinswoman was, was likely much more than uh, like a, a first cousin, um, more distant than just, just that kind of relationship. And um, though we know that Mary and Elizabeth were somehow related, their relationship was really more one of friends. So can you imagine that scene? The somewhat age-advanced Elizabeth, six months pregnant with John, 
the John who would become John the Baptist, established and married herself to Zechariah for many years, sees someone walking across the landscape toward her. The landscape there is very similar to our uh, unpopulated areas, particularly of Southern California, but even some parts of Northern California. You can imagine this scene. She's seeing a figure coming close. And as Mary gets closer, Elizabeth being pregnant herself realizes, senses that Mary is pregnant too. So I have to wonder, was Elizabeth's first response the positive response that is recorded in scripture when she said, blessed are you among women, Mary, and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. The scripture tells us that when Elizabeth heard Mary call out to her, the child in Elizabeth's womb leapt and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have often interpreted that, that as a leap of joy by the child within Elizabeth. But maybe it wasn't exactly that. Maybe it was one of those kind of stomach-clenching feelings of deep concern. And maybe what the Holy Spirit um, that filled her allowed in that half second before Elizabeth responded was the compassion and wisdom to eschew those negative emotions of fear and anxiety and pivot and answer Mary's call with joy. That's mental immunity. And perhaps it was Elizabeth's joy that then allowed Mary too to proclaim her joy. It is significant that Mary's magnificat, Mary's magnificat are after Elizabeth's words, not after the angel Gabriel's words. The Dalai Lama has said, if you really feel a sense of concern for the well-being of others, the trust will come. That's the basis of friendship. Concern for others, trust, and friendship are the antidotes to the obstacles to joy. Out of concern and friendship, Elizabeth responded with compassion and this compassion opened the channel for the Holy Spirit to fill her with trust that even as Mary would face challenges, there was still so much for which to be grateful. Things would be okay. More would be revealed. Elizabeth's joyful response not only led Mary to proclaim her own joy, but also to proclaim justice. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. God has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has come to the aid of God's children, Israel, and remembrance of God's mercy. When we are focused on connection and compassion, we are also led to acts for others' well-being. This past week, several of us attended the virtual tour led by staff and youth of Youth Alive, an organization in Oakland that prevents violence 
uh, intervenes in violence and promotes healing when violence does occur. We listened to moving testimony by those who are responding to this violence and those who have been healed from violence. I had heard the phrase before, hurt people, hurt people, but I had never heard the phrase, healed people, heal people. This was spoken by one of the Youth Alive staff, referencing the way their work ripples out in more compassion, more healing, and even more joy. One of the persons who spoke was a man named John Eason. Eason grew up in Oakland, graduating from Skyline High in 2008, and then he chose to join the Army. Due to the recession, he felt this was his best opportunity, and after um, being deployed in Afghanistan, um, he was honorably discharged, uh, came home without um, any injuries, but shortly Thereafter, in a random act of violence, his tibia was shattered um, from a gunshot in a parking lot. And he describes the randomness of being shot when he got home after returning from war without injury as contributing to a deep depression, even after his leg had physically healed. Immobilized and depressed, John got a call from Youth Alive staffer, Ray Estrada, as part of their Caught in the Crossfire program. Ray offered John support and accompaniment, naming that even after the physical pain fades, persons who have been shot can feel lost, alone, and bitter about their situation. Bitter toward the city and community, angry, angry at the violent side, of Oakland. Estrada explained that one of their first tasks is to help the person not retaliate to break the cycle of violence. And then the next task is the emotional well-being of their client and connecting to resources like funding for medical bills and therapy. Estrada said, I tell my clients and I told John that I would pick him up and take him anywhere, anything that is positive that is going to benefit him and move him forward, I would be there to help. But for John, it was hard to trust. I needed somebody who would do what they said they were gonna do, he said. I was a fragile man. I've told Ray that I was dark. But over time, through the actions of Ray and the advocacy for justice by Youth Alive, John's trust was restored. As he ended his testimony on the virtual tour, John said, Christmas has always been my, had always been my favorite time of year. I had lost that, but now it's back. Ray helped me get that joy back in my life. If there's one thing that comes up again and again in the book of joy as essential to our joy, it is our relationships. For the Dalai Lama, it is contained in the tenet of Tibetan Buddhism that we are all one. We are all interconnected. And for Archbishop Tutu, it is contained in the word Ubuntu, which is often translated as I am because we are. Elizabeth and Mary affirmed their interconnectedness. And in claiming their interconnectedness, they also affirmed that their well-being was tied up with the well-being of all others. And really, 
Isn't that what the incarnation is all about? God came to us as one of us. We are connected. And in relationship, God exists as three in one. And in relationship, God exists with each of us and we with each other. For Mary and Elizabeth to proclaim their joy in relationship was also to, to claim their commitment to justice for all people. This season and always, may we too feel our spirits leap at our connection to all others and may we reach out in our own need and in service, proclaiming justice and joy. Amen.
podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.
Vedown Sisters!